Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. So tonight we're going to start, I'm just going to read one verse in Exodus 15, and then we're going to go to our text uh, pad, it's Isaiah 6, but Exodus 15, I'd like to read a verse there because I'm going to make uh, reference to it several times in the message, and uh, I'll let you know more about that in a minute. So... uh, One of the great hallelujahs about God's holiness, and tonight we're going to work on it, but what's amazing is God's holiness, and He is uh, the eternal creator, Yahweh, mercy, but He still wants us to know Him. He could just be God and say, okay, this is what you guys need. That's what I provide for you. But he goes, no, no, I want to give you an opportunity to know me. The heavens declare him. And he wants us to know him. And and then uh, we made reference to John chapter 1 this morning. In the beginning was the capital W word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh, dwelt among humans. Mercy, we beheld his glory. It's, a, it's amazing that God says, I, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. So I want us to know him and know him deeper. If you can say it, know him wider. We just know him more. So Exodus chapter uh, 15, if you're able, I'd ask you to stand We stand to give reverence, we stand to give honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant, it's the perfect, preserved Word of God, amen? That's why people, that's why I ask people to stand, we want to give reverence to God's Word. Exodus 15 and uh, verse number 11. Time out, time out. I'm going to make a reference to this in the message too, but I'm just going to get into it right now. Moses sees all these gods of the Egyptians, and they got a bunch of them, and he just thinks the comparison is incomparable. So here's what he does, verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the little G-O-Ds? I like it. Who is like thee, look what he says, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Okay, Isaiah now, Isaiah chapter 6, please. While you're turning, I'll just tell you that uh, for a number of years, I could imagine, I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, let's say nine, let's say more than that, 10 or 11 years ago, 
I wanted to preach on the holiness of God. I, I was burdened to do that. I wanted to do it. And I just couldn't get there. I, I'd study some, and I'd try to, and it just wouldn't happen. And uh, then finally I got to preach a, a sermon about God's holiness. And then after that, which was around seven, eight years ago, I... Uh, I wanted to make it a, I wanted to see it in a revival setting like we're doing. And I just never worked out. And finally, in 2019, uh, I got to preach on the holiness of God uh, my first time as a revival. So I'm just testifying, okay, just hang on. Is that uh, I just came from the west side of Washington. They said, well, you're going to preach over there. And I said, well, my intent is to preach on the holiness of God. Well, why don't you preach what you're preaching here? I said, well, I want to. Because <laughs> whatever I preach this week, I'm so burdened about it, and I'm so turned on about it, I think everybody in the world needs to hear it. Amen. I really do. And what I preached last week over there, and I was so on fire about it and so burdened about it, I thought, everybody, I need to preach this every time I preach, every time. But the Bible is 66 books. Uh, God has, the message in there is, is a hallelujah. And we get to just pick out pieces of it. So tonight, let's work on it some more. Isaiah 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, remember he died not a sweet death. They were good friends. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up his train filled the temple now when it says his train it's not talking about the choo-choo it's talking about everything that would be part of god that would be moving with him whatever that would be for for the bride you know it's that long veil you know that train so on uh, for the king and the queen and so on but every if god would move Everything that is about him and of him, that's what that means, okay? Now keep going here. His train filled the temple. Above it, above the temple, above the throne, he said, stood the, the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. One of the seraphims cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing, and I'm looking forward to trying to get this across tonight. And so, by God's grace, he'll allow us to do that. So this morning, uh, as we begin to pick this apart, I got to the word that God is holy, holy, holy. And that I, I told you what the Hebrew word was, and some of you won't have a clue. And even when I say it now, you'll go, oh, yeah, I don't remember that. But some of you remember it's Kadash. And Kadash means to cut or to cut away. That's, it's 
one of its root meanings of that. Uh, it's to consecrate, to sanctify. And so when, when, when you say to cut away, another way you can say is to set apart. And so God's, he's sacred, he's consecrated, he's dedicated. It's to, if you were to kodesh yourself, you would separate yourself, you would sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. And we learn that kodesh means to set set apart from the ordinary, to set apart from the profane. God is not ordinary. His day is not ordinary. His people that get born again, the people that get saved, regenerated, they are no longer ordinary. We have been holified. Somebody say amen. amen. Absolutely, we've been set apart. The truth is, what's been holified is not supposed to be used for anything else but for God's glory. I don't, I'm not going to take time to preach it, but I evidently are going to mention it. If you and I have been saved, we've been sanctified, we've been holified, we are set apart. And what's been set apart is supposed to be set apart only, solely, for God's glory. Wow. That would preach a little while, but I got to move on. I got, I got some other things to say. All right. When we talk about the holiness of God, okay, here we go again, the Kodesh of God, that he is cut away from the ordinary. So what I'm referring to is his absolute separateness. I'm referring to his absolute apartness from us. He is holy. He is infinitely, oh, that word is a big word. It's a humongous word. He is infinitely separated from his creation. He is apart from us. He's so exalted in his majesty, he is the separated one. Isaiah 57 says it like this, For thus saith the high and lofty one whose name, and listen, his name, whose name is holy. When it says his name is holy, it's not just an adjective that says, oh yeah, he's holy. It's who he is altogether. He's holy. He's altogether different, distinct from his creation. There is no one, there's, there's not anything like him in the entire universes. He is the unique God above all that would be compared to him. I need to do a little parenthesis here because some of you are just going, all right, whatever. And I know I'm the preacher, I'm the one supposed to be teaching and trying to get this across. And that is one of the difficulties, and that's tonight, this is, I'm trying to really get this across. He's not like us. Not even close. He's separate from us. He's unique. You cannot compare anything. I told you this morning, a lot of people are looking through the wrong, we, we, we look at God through the wrong end of the telescope. And we've made him pygmy. 
He's like us, it's a little better. Isaiah 40 says, To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Nobody, nobody is comparable to him. No one's equal to him. Nothing's equal to him. When Moses sees the gods of the heathen, I just said in Exodus 15, he understands it's impossible, it's impossible to compare these little G-O-Ds to God. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among these little gods? Who is like thee? Watch this. Who is like thee? Listen carefully. Who is like thee, glorious in holiness? He is glorious in his holiness. I feel so inept. I am, oh, I feel uh, so unable to communicate that description, glorious in holiness. I, I don't have vocabulary. I got some words written down and I'm going to use them, but I just feel like I don't know how to, how to amplify God, how to make him so amazing that we would say, whoa, he's glorious in his holiness. Mercy. The holiness of God is his otherness. Here we go again. His apartness, his separateness. He's exalted above all in august majesty. He is glorious in his holiness. Listen to some pictures of glorious. He's resplendent, majestic, shining in brilliant luster. It's great, it's majestic, it's exalted. His holiness refers to the moral, oh, this is the moral perfection of God. So when we talk about God and him being resplendent and glorious and brilliant and he's glorious, we're talking about everything about him, his perfection. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, God is light. He doesn't have a light. He's not a light. He is light. He doesn't contain light. He doesn't just emanate light. He himself is pure, perfect, unadulterated light. It's brilliant, splendor, majestic, glorious in his holiness. He is separated from us because he is infinitely pure. Do you hear how heavy, deep, that, how long the word is? Infinite. He is infinitely pure. Listen to this. He's infinitely perfect. And tonight as I teach and preach to you about his holiness, we're going to use the word pure, holy, and perfect. And they're weaved together that when we say pure, we're talking about perfect. When we say perfect, we're talking about pure. When we say holy, we're talking about perfect. When we say holy, we're talking about pure. Amen. And it's glorious. And I don't know how to get it across. I wish I knew where we'd all get so torn up we couldn't help it. We'd jump up and down and go, ah, he is glorious. 
or we'd all fall on our face and cry, whoa, whoa, he's glorious in his holiness. He is separated from us because he is infinitely pure and perfect. Holiness carries the idea of the matchless beauty and splendor of God's perfection. He's without any trace of sin. There is not a minute speck of darkness, of imperfection in God. Remember, he's light. He's perfect. He's holy. I mentioned a while ago, it's the moral perfection of God. And I, the, the, the adjective is in there. The infinite moral perfection of God. You, it doesn't end. It's just, it's who he is. See, we cannot, we, we, we evidently, God allows us to see some, watch what, some of his apartness, some of his otherness. He allows us to see little glimpses of it. And I wasn't going to have you to turn there, but I'm not. If you'll just listen carefully, I think I can read it where you can catch it. But when God gives the law at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, listen to the description. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And all the people saw the thunderings, and the lightnings, the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They understood that he is glorious in his holiness. Oh, Remember when we're in Isaiah 6, 1, it says, and it was, it, was, uh, it was filled with smoke. Remember that? And now they see the mountain of God that it's, uh, one of the passages says it's on a smoke. <laughs> that it's, it looks like it's smoking. There's thunderings and lightnings and it's just overpowering. Us that have seen thunderstorms and us that have been close and we feel like there's so much power and there they are, they're just watching and God is meeting with Moses on the mount and they understand who it is. They know, they know it's not just a rain cloud happening, it's the presence of God. Watch, when the, when the smoke is there, this, oh, it's like smoke. That's what they call it. It's called that. It's a heavy, heavy-duty fog. It's a, it's a glowing. It's a glowing cloud. It's a glowing smoke. And it's got this in it. And it, 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 it's called by uh, theologians. It's called by Bible scholars. And it, the, the word specifically is not in the Bible, but it makes intent toward it. It's called the Shekinah. The Shekinah glory. 
And this glowing cloud that's on fire and it's brilliant and it's luminous and it's loud and they, they, they hear the thunderings and the lightnings and, and the voice, whoa, the voice was so big. The people are going, whoa, whoa, and they begin to back up. Why? Because they're seeing part of the otherness of God. See, we think God's our buddy. He's our partner. Cozy up to him. What's going on, God? And we treat him just our buddy, buddy. And we lose the weight and the value and the depth that he's holy and he's glorious in his holiness. On this day when the children see God like this, they understand that He is altogether different than they are. They have reason to tremble. Excuse me, since we're, I'll just take a little pause, parentheses here. I've been preaching a long time now, uh, 45 years. Hard to believe I can say 47 years. I surrendered to preach 47 years ago. I preached that year. Only a few times in my own life and a few times in places I've been that I, that I knew that I met with God. And it was so overwhelming. It, it's weird, but it, it reflects in two ways. For me and what I even understand of the Bible, it reflects in two ways. One way is that you just can't hardly speak. And you're just humble before him and you're overwhelmed. That you're breathing, you're overwhelmed he didn't kill you yet. You're overwhelmed that he loves you. It's just incredible. And it's true that I've experienced that. And I knew, I knew I was in another, an apartness. I was around something that is not, not me. It's weird. The other side of that, this is, it is, it's true though. I've seen it where there's a joy unspeakable. There's a, a laughter a smile, a rejoicing. That's a hallelujah. That I am getting to know him. I'm getting to be around him. and I'm getting to experience him in this way. And I'm not meaning to laugh. I'm not, I don't think everything's funny around me. I'm just rejoicing with full heart. And I've seen that. I've been in a, I've been in a building where People were laughing and rejoicing and people on their face crying and other people begging. I've been in that room and experienced it personally. And I, I'm not saying this to you tonight to say, well, this is what I'm working on here. I've got to get this to happen. If that happens, that's all God's grace and goodness. We can't turn a couple dials and get it to happen. But I'm just saying there's a reality that when you are around the otherness of God, 
The holiness of God, his glory is that there has got to be response. One of the fellows said, to meet God in his holiness is to be overwhelmed by the discovery that he's not man. Because we make him like us. He's my buddy, uh, he's my grandpa, he's my, he's my God, and I just hand off prayer requests to him, and I say, this is what I want, this is what I need, yeah, 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 yeah. And how often do I just lay down before him and say, God, you're awesome. I don't want anything. I just want you to know I recognize you're not like me. Why, why do the angels, these seraphims, why do they cry, holy, holy, holy? Why do they say that? Because he is holy. There's really a, hardly any other response to give. Watch, God's glory is bound up in his holiness. And his holiness is glorious. He is glorious because he is the God of resplendent, brilliant, glowing holiness. He is the incomparable one. He has no equal. He's the God of purity and perfection. And listen carefully. Listen, don't, don't walk away. Don't lose me on this. Holiness is his greatest attribute. I'm telling you, God has attributes, and for someone like me, a little brain that I have, and awareness and knowledge I have to say, and holiness is his greatest attribute. And ladies and gentlemen, as I try to open this up and explain this tonight, I'm telling you, God is holy. Do you know that holiness is the only attribute of God? It's the only attribute of God that was ever trebled. And trebled means you will never find any person, any human, any angel, you'll never find any, anything in the scriptures that we can find, nothing you can find, that you will find them crying, faithful, faithful. Excuse me, is God faithful? That's one of his attributes. Wisdom. Wisdom. You'll never find it, but is God wise? Does he have all wisdom? You'll never find any of them. Listen, one of the greatest attributes all of us are so grateful for. Love. Love. It has never troubled one time in Scripture. The heavenly creatures of the Revelation chapter 4. Listen to what the Bible says. They cease not. They cease not day and night. It's incredible. That, that means there's some kind of time inference in heaven. They cease not day and night. What do they do? They cry, holy. They cease not. Holy. Holy. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, holy, they cease not day and night for all eternity. Ever since God created them, they still today, they still right now are saying, holy, holy.
holy, holy. Why would God create such creatures to cry, holy, holy, holy? Because He is glorious in His holiness. Mercy. I, I, I'm overwhelmed by that. And yet God felt it necessary that His throne be surrounded by these creatures that cry nothing but holy. Watch, 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 watch. This is so valuable. Holiness is not speaking of one part of God's character. It's speaking of all the parts of God's character. Everything concerning him. All of his attributes put together are holy. It's incredible. Holiness, holiness it permeates. I, I, I've got it written like this. It colors every aspect, every part of his being emanates holy. Wait, wait, I don't know if anybody remembers so far back. I, I gave you three words that we were going to glue together tonight. Holy, pure, and what was the other one? Good job, perfect. So watch, when I talk about that God is holy, that means his, he's perfect, he's pure. Is everybody with me? with me? Okay, here we go, here we go. Every attribute of God has to be holy. Okay? Is one of God's attributes wisdom. Okay, watch, watch, watch. That means his wisdom has to be holy. It has to be perfect. Everybody with me? Oh, honey. If you and I really, really, really in the depths of our soul believe that God's wisdom is perfect, we would never argue with him. We would never complain to him. Well, why'd you do that, God? Why'd you let that happen, God? Well, what about this, God? Excuse me? Any discussion with God about any of his attributes is arguing with his holiness. I mentioned a while ago our favorite, perhaps our favorite attribute, or one of our favorites for certain, is his love. But his love is perfect, somebody say amen. See, if you're going to say it's perfect, you go, yeah, praise God, it's perfect. No, 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 no. When you start peeling that back and say, well, if God is a God of love, why did he let that happen? Bam. <laughs> He's perfect in his love. Don't ask why that happened. As if you've got enough gray matter in your helmet to tell him, why did you let that happen? That's insane. God's mercy. Has to be, watch, watch, it has to be holy mercy. Or it has to be perfect. His righteousness. There's something called immutability. And that's like a 50 cent word. It means he can't change. But since he can't change, his not changing has to be holy, not changing. Or perfect. Me do, well, I got lots more, but his strength has to be perfect. 
This was powerful, I think. His word. It has to be holy. I'm pretty sure we got to say, well, it's got to be pure. If it's his word, it's got to be perfect. Is everybody with me? Oh, my goodness. His name puts all of his attributes together. Isaiah 57, his name is holy. Psalm 145, the Lord is righteous in all his way and holy in all his works. It's not just part of his character. It's the general term representing the consummate perfection of the total glory of God. He is holy. He is glorious in his holiness. Somebody please say amen. Please. Mercy. The Bible is full of the holiness of God. It is shining and shining out of nearly every page in the Bible. His holiness. Oh. I is there a clock in here? Oh, there it is. There is one up here. But I didn't know it this morning, and I wore a watch this morning, and I, I didn't have a clue how long I've been talking. I've been talking almost eight minutes. Look at that. <laughs> or nine, preacher said. I, I, I can't stop. I want to take you someplace with this perfection of God, this holiness of God. When we talk about this, uh, do you know that God is so, I know we, it's, we, take him, we make him a man, but he is so holy that sin cannot dwell in his presence. It can't even dwell. It would just explode. He emanates holiness. He is holy. In fact, the Bible says that God is so holy, he cannot look upon that which is sin, iniquity. Sin can't dwell in his presence. He has to remove it. He cannot wink at sin. He cannot overlook sin. He cannot tolerate sin. Listen carefully. No, no, no. He's holy. He cannot excuse sin. In fact, Proverbs 6 says, He hates sin. I mean, the God I know, he doesn't hate anything. He's a God of love. Well, excuse me, his love is holy love. And his hate is holy hate. Amen. It's perfect hate. Amen. We should find ourselves where Isaiah found himself. Whoa! What is wrong with me? Whoa! Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips. I'm wicked. I'm despicable. I'm terrible. I'm sinful. Woe, woe is me. And the only way I could be cleansed by God's grace and mercy and love, which is perfect grace, mercy, and love, that he would purge me. The only way to be forgiven is if God forgives you. Then I could say, here am I. I'm available. Send me. All of these are part of him. And sin is repugnant to him. 
Why, why does God hate every false way? Because he's holy. Now watch, this is getting toward the conclusion here. Because he is holy, he has to be just. Watch, his justice has to be holy. Has to be perfect justice. Now, I'm going to use some definition for just that I collected from the dictionary. Listen, it means to be true, to be just, upright, honest, correct in judgment, conform to truth. Just is exact, it's proper, it's accurate, it's equitable. It's faithful. It's impartial. To be truly just, he has to be impartial. If God, if we're going to talk about the justice of God, do we all agree that it has to be holy, perfect, pure? I'm going to give you another chance to say amen. Some of you are not paying attention. Okay. If God has justice, it has to be holy, perfect, pure, correct. It has to be honest. It has to be fair, impartial. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Definition of justice. The virtue which consists in giving to everyone. You're not catching it. I'm going too fast for some of you. Listen, listen. It's the virtue which consists in giving, every, giving to everyone their just due. Amen. If God's going to be justice, he has to give to everyone they're just due. And watch, he has to be impartial. He has to be fair and honest, exact, equitable. Oh, oh I, I, I just thank the Lord he lets me do this. If I'm going to talk about justice, there is only one reason that we can speak of the word justice and what it is. There's only one reason. Why do we have something called justice? Listen, listen, listen. The truth is, the only reason that there's something called true justice is because there's something called holiness. Because holiness allows us to understand that there is something that is perfect, pure, righteous altogether. See, if there is no holiness, then we have no standard. No, no, you're not getting it. If you don't have a standard, that means you're not really sure what's right and what's wrong. But because we have something called holiness, whoa, we know what's right and wrong. But if there were no holiness, oh my goodness, we would be left on our own. Excuse me, humans like us, we'd be left on our own to decide what is moral, what is immoral. It would be humans deciding. We'd have to decide what's criminal and what's not criminal. We'd have to decide what's evil and not evil as humans would. 
We'd be on our own. It would, be, it would be nothing more, if humans were doing that, it would be nothing more than a humanistic society. And that's where we've landed. You guys that live here in Washington, if you're paying any attention to your governors and your senators and congressmen and all these people, your mayors, you have learned, you have learned in these three months, you have learned that they are the ones trying to make the decision what's right and wrong. They don't have a standard. No, 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 no. If you don't have a standard, that, that means your philosophies, your positions, uh, what you're going to draw the line to be, it comes from something that's called relative truth. Because there is no real truth standard. There is nothing really holy, pure, perfect, righteous. No, no, we have to decide this on our own. And so watch, relative truth always is moving. It changes. And here in the state of Washington, I've only been here for four weeks. And I've already learned from being here and reading a little bit in the newspaper and paying attention a little bit, is that every week it changes us a little bit. Well, we think this is what the rule is now. We think this is what we're going to do. We hope to do this. Oh, no, we're not doing that at all. We can't do that. Is everybody with me? And then some people can and some can't. Is everybody with me? It's not justice. It's not impartial. Humanism is based on relative truth. Whatever you think for right now, what you think is good for you. Or it's like this. In society, culture, whatever they Who's ever in charge, whatever they think is good and what they think is not good. God is left out on purpose because they don't want the standard of holiness. And so that's why they like to say he's just a made up figment of people's imagination. No, ladies and gentlemen, we wouldn't even know what justice is if it weren't for holiness. It's just incredible. My brain, while I was thinking about this, my brain was darting around everywhere. You know, in America, it used to be a, a good thing, a proud thing. The right thing to carry a flag down a street. And now you can beat them up. Why? Because it changed. It's relative. There's no really holiness to measure up to. So whatever you think is right, you get to do it. Whatever you think is right, you get to do it. No, friend, I'm telling you, it covers, it blankets everything. It's not just COVID-19. It's everything. It's education, what we're learning and what our students are learning. It's everything. If you don't believe in global warming, you are a moron. 
you're a, you're, you don't believe in science. What is wrong with you? And I'm just guarantee you, I'm guarantee you, 80%, 90% of us in here have been infected with what they tell us and what they've told us and jammed down our throats and jammed down our throats so much so that we're going, well, yeah, I guess maybe I shouldn't use a straw. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm serious. It goes through your stinking brain. Well, I guess I won't use a straw. You can't help it. We've been inundated with it. And they have jammed it. Wait a minute. Oh, this wasn't supposed to go here. Here we go. Humanism is a religion. America is supposed to have freedom of religion. It is part of our Constitution. It's part of the Bill of Rights. And yet, America says we will not have a religion that we push and press on people. You have freedom to decide. And yet humanism is a religion. And they've jammed it down our collegiate throats for, year, for uh, decades. They've jammed it down our throats on television, every little cartoon, everything we are, everything around us. And they've jammed down our throats saying, you will believe our religion or you're a moron. You will accept our religion or you're rebellious. You don't love this country. You don't love humans. Anybody hearing me? The whole reason we have something called justice is because we have something called holiness. When you get away from holiness, now you're just all on your own. And justice is no longer fair. It's no longer equitable. It's no longer honest. Um, holiness, listen to this, holiness is the root of divine justice. Now, excuse me just a second. I use the word divine justice. On this planet Earth, in our court system, most of us, if you pay a little tiny bit of attention, you're, you're well aware that in our court system, one person can get, go to prison for it and another person just go home for the very same thing. One person can be fined $10,000 and lose their business and another person go, okay, whatever. It's not justice. That's our justice system. It's not, but what I just said to you, the holiness is the root of his divine justice. Excuse me, human justice is in flux, it's relative, it changes all the time. God's justice doesn't. Excuse me, there will be divine justice. Amen. No, no, it's going on right now. But God's justice doesn't always happen on payday, it's not always Friday. God's justice is coming. Every human, every human one day, there will be divine, holy justice. A friend of mine named Eric Doucette, pastors in College Station, Texas. He said, justice is the administrator of God's holiness. You want to see God's holiness? Watch God at work and watch his justice. For there to be justice 
This is tomorrow. I'm almost done. For there to be justice. You're not, I'm going over your head. That's no, too bad. Remember, because there is something called holiness, there has to be something called justice. Holiness just can't overlook sin and wink at it and dismiss it. Holiness says, well, I can't put up with that. So there's justice. Wait, wait, wait. If there's justice, that means there has to be judgment. Well, I don't want a God who's going to, like, judge people. <laughs> that is so unfair. Those people are doing the best they can. I thought I was right. I thought I was right. I didn't know I was wrong. So, is he holy or not? See, because we think he's like us, we think he needs to give us a little break here. We think he's like us, and he ought to just, well, excuse it, overlook it. I know you tried your best. <laughs> no, no, if there's justice, there's going to be judgment. And any thinking human is scared to death of God's judgment. But I'm here to tell you tonight, we can escape his judgment. It's like that seraphim took that, with the tongue, took that coal, that live coal off the altar and put it on Isaiah's lips and said, Thou art purged from thine iniquity. God has the ability to purge us, clean us up. He can holify us. And I am not afeard to stand before the judgment of God. Because I've been made righteous. I've been made holy. Not because I'm religious. Not because I'm a preacher. But because God's son paid. He died for my sins. If I'll accept that payment, I can be holified. Amen. Mercy. I've tried, I've wanted to try to paint that he is glorious in his holiness. And because he's so holy, we really should find ourselves where Isaiah was. If it doesn't move you to say, God, I'm sorry, woe is me. Forgive me for trying to make you like me. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.